Father, that's our prayer today, that we would have a heart resigned, submissive, meek, my dear Redeemer's through, for only Christ is heard to speak, where Jesus reigns alone. Father, uh, we pray that you would give us hearts like that today, as we turn to your word now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder what your favourite TV quiz show is. I wonder, do you like Countdown? With the letters and the numbers and the Countdown conundrum. Or maybe you prefer the chase as contenders take on a quiz champion at chasing them to get at the right answers. Maybe you delight in the obscure knowledge of pointless and you try to get one of those pointless answers that no one else knows. Well, over the summer, uh, we watched an episode of University Challenge and I tell you, I couldn't even understand the questions, let alone the answers. <coughs> but every so often, uh, a new quiz show appears on the screen. A while back, uh, I was in with mum and dad, and they were watching one, I don't know if you saw it, um, with people who were sitting in armchairs trying to answer questions, but the armchairs were moving backwards. And if they didn't get an answer in time, then it kind of flipped them over the edge. That seemed a bit horrific. Um, I think it was called ejector seat, maybe. Um, But it only lasted for a short while. I think maybe health and safety kicked in. Um, But anyway, uh, in our reading this morning, in Haggai chapter 2, and it might be good to turn back to it, uh, it looks as if the prophet Haggai is launching a new TV quiz show. It's not a deal or no deal. I wonder if you if you like watching that. It's not really a quiz show. It's just guessing numbers and trying to be lucky, as they say. Um, but Haggai's quiz show would be clean or unclean. And the format, well, the format is very simple. Here's how it works. Haggai asks the priests questions about the law. If something is clean or unclean. Now those aren't really categories that we think much about today or talk about today in the same way. But the Old Testament law and and connected with the temple um, was very concerned with whether things were clean or unclean, holy or impure. You see, the Jews were called to live a life of purity by obeying the law with all its regulations about uh, what sort of food you could or couldn't eat. So, for example, you couldn't have bacon bodies uh, if you were a Jew. Being ritually unclean meant that you couldn't come before God. You couldn't approach the temple. You had to go through the ritual set down in the law to become clean again, to become acceptable again to God. 
And so if you have the, the passage there, at the question begins in verse 12. Well, really verse 11. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? And the answer is no. The priests have got it right. They know the law very well and they get the right answer. So something holy touching something else doesn't make it holy. But then comes the second round in verse 13. If someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? Now the priests, as I say, know their stuff. These are easy questions for them. They could answer these in their sleep. They're so easy. It's really obvious that something unclean Touching other things makes them unclean as well. So let's review what we've learned from the priests. Holy, touching something else doesn't make it holy. But something unclean, touching something else makes it unclean. Or in other words, you can't catch holiness. You can't catch cleanness. But you can catch uncleanness now in case you're wondering well well, why does he bother asking those questions and, and what's it all about Haggai tells us in verse 14 <clears throat> then Haggai answered and said so it is with this people and with this nation before me declares the Lord and so with every work of their hands And what they offer there is unclean. God declares that his people are unclean. And that means that everything they do, everything they touch, becomes unclean as well. It would be like someone who had fallen uh, in a mucky field. And then they they come into the farmhouse and you can trace their steps around the house. The mark of the wellies on the kitchen floor. Or worse, the cream carpet in the living room. The handprint on the, the door of the fridge as they go to see if there's something nice to eat inside. The the towel that used to be white that's now just a shade of muck because they just wiped their face with it. I hope that doesn't happen in anyone's house or someone might be in might be in bother. But you can imagine that kind of thing happening. They are unclean and everything they touch becomes unclean as well. It's a bit like I wonder do you remember this story? Uh, from Greek mythology of King Midas. He was granted a wish that whatever he touched would turn into gold. And at the start, he thought that this was great, that, you know, you could take a, a twig or a stone, he could touch it, make it into gold. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
What a great power to have. How, how rich you would become. You could just turn everything into gold and, and become really wealthy. But then he sat down to eat. And the food that he lifted, well, it turned into gold as well. And he couldn't eat it. The cup with his wine in it also turned to gold so he couldn't drink anything. The Midas touch was more like a curse in the end. Well, here, God says that people have the the anti-Midas touch. It's not that we touch everything and it turns to gold, but rather we touch everything and, and we make it unclean. Just as we are. I wonder if you've seen this anti-Midas touch at work. Or in a club you're involved in. In relationships, families. You see people are people and even with the best of motives we mess things up or make things worse. Our unclean touch, our our mucky handprints affect whatever we do. Now it's bad enough whenever it's in relationships or in work or in a sports club that this unclean touch affects everything we do. But remember what Haggai and the people are doing at this time. They are building for God's glory. They were Rebuilding the temple that had been destroyed about 70 years beforehand. They were seeking to build that place where God's presence would dwell with. But even as they try to build God's house, the the place for his holiness and his glory, their unclean touch was affecting it as well. They've been building for exactly three months now. Do you see the way Haggai is always very precise as to when he delivers these prophecies? Verse 10, on the 24th day of of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius. And in chapter 1, it was on the 24th day of the sixth month that they started building. So they've been building for three months. But their offering is unclean because they... Are unclean. To show how things have been working out for them, or, or rather not working out for them, Haggai uses what seems to be his favourite word. It's a word that we've heard repeatedly on his lips in chapter 1, and now it's here again in, in verse 15 and in verse 18. The word Consider. Haggai asked them in in verse 15 to consider from this day onward. It it seems that the word onward in in Hebrew has the, the sense of either going back in time or going forward in time. Because both these consider passages make them look back. So first... At verse 15, consider before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. Well, things weren't great. The harvest wasn't as good as they thought it would be. 
They look at a heap of grain. They think that there's 20 measures in it. Well, actually, whenever they measure it out, there's only 10. Even worse, they'd, they'd look at a wine vat thinking there were, there were 50 measures in it. But when they poured it out and measured it out, there were only 20. Imagine being in that situation where things aren't just as good as you think they are. And why was it? Because God had struck them. And the work of their hands with blight and mildew and heal. God sends frustration and disappointment. Yet even then they don't turn back to God. Do you remember before they started building? They were busy working on their own panelled houses. Their luxury houses. And they left God's house to remain in ruins. But even... When they started work, they they started work, but it was with a heavy heart. They weren't really into the work. They they were just doing it because they thought, well, this is what we have to do. And the second consider brings them to the time since the foundation of the temple was laid. Verse 18 onwards. Have things been better? Haggai asks, well, no. No. Despite it being harvest time from September through to December, there was nothing in the barn. No seeds, no grapes, no figs, no pomegranates, no olives. Complete disaster. Their uncleanness is contagious. They were unclean and all that they tried to do was unclean and there's nothing to show for it. Disaster. And Haggai saying that actually we're just like them. That we're unclean and all that we touch becomes unclean unclean as well and if that's the case then it's natural that there'll be disappointments and frustrations as we seek to build up the temple as we've seen it's the the body of Christ the, the church family here is the temple because God dwells in us so imagine how how it happens someone might think that they're being helpful but actually the the mess is just spread someone else says something not realizing the impact of their words and, and things just get very uncomfortable how can we build for god's glory in the midst of our mess how can the holy god dwell among an unclean impure people in fact for a moment forget about everyone else because it's so easy to look at other people and think well yeah how could God you know, do with them I see what they're like focus just on yourself and ask that same question how can the holy God dwell in me
an unclean person. But as you think of the last week, the things that you have said or done or the things that you haven't done, and you realize, I say that's me. When this diagnosis of Haggai lands in our hearts, we think, yes, that's me. I know that I'm unclean. I try to change. I try to clean myself up. But just like those muddy footprints in the dirty towel, I just make everything else a mess as well. What can I do? How can we change? It was the question on the lips of the man in our reading from Mark chapter 1. He knew all too well that he was unclean. That no one wanted to be near him. He may well have had to shout it out, unclean, unclean, when people came too close. Because he was a leper. He hadn't experienced anyone touching him in years because everyone knew if you touched him, unclean, plus something else makes it unclean as well. Uncleanness was definitely contagious. And yet, he comes up to Jesus. He reckons that Jesus can do something about his uncleanness. And he says those wonderful words of faith. If you will, you can make me clean. He says, I I can't do anything for myself. But Jesus, if you want to, if you will, then you can. You can make a difference. You can change me. You can make me clean. And in that moment, Jesus does the unthinkable. He reverses the curse. Look at at verse 41. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus didn't have to touch him. We've seen in the Gospels in other places how Jesus just said the word. And he could heal people. But Jesus touched him. Not afraid of of catching his uncleanness. Because with Jesus it's different. You see with us. Unclean. Touching something else makes it unclean. But with Jesus his cleanness. Is contagious. With Jesus. Clean. Touching unclean. Makes it clean. Jesus brings the change that we need. The change that God promised right at the very end of this reading from Haggai 2. At the very end of verse 19. 
The promise that depended entirely on God and not on the people. Do you see how at verse 19, uh, actually we'll read from verse 18 to get the full force of it. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But from this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you. The curse is reversed. We who are unclean can become clean. By God's design, God's action, God's blessing. Do you notice that there's nothing that they're told to do to be blessed? There's no complicated checklist of conditions that they have to fulfill. Uh, There's no small print at the bottom. God doesn't say... Clean yourself up first. And then I'll think about blessing you. It's not about sorting ourselves out to make God bless us. He, he chooses to do it anyway. For unclean, undeserving people. Who receive his blessing. And are changed. This is the grace of God in action. For Haggai and the people messed up and messing up, God will bless them from this day onwards. Mark it in your calendar. And for us as well, as we build up the temple, as we build up the church family, in the in the mess of the building site, there is also much blessing. Great encouragement, signs of growth and of change. It's something only God can do. It's something only God can do whenever we recognise that we can't do it for ourselves. That we have to say, we are unclean. Everything we touch becomes unclean. But Lord, you can bless us. If you will, you can make us clean. There's a a, a fairly recent song by Michael W. Smith which puts it like this. Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and in the flood. You're faithful forever. Perfect in love. You're sovereign. Over us. God has not finished with us. We're still a work in progress. But he gives us his blessing. And that's the difference. He gives us his cleansing. He gives us his His Holy Spirit. Dwelling in us. To empower us to live for him. So let's do it. 
let's recognize that we are more sinful than we ever dared realize. But we're more loved than we could ever possibly hope for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that though we are unclean, though we are burdened by our sin, that you love us, that you pour out your blessing on us, that you use us for your purposes of glory. Father, we pray that as we continue to work to build up at this church together <coughs> that we would know your healing that we would know your forgiveness for when we do get things wrong that we would know your blessing we pray this in Jesus name Amen